Well, hey everyone, welcome to First Free Church Online. We're so glad you're here joining us today. My name is Adam, I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're new, I wanna give you a special welcome today. Maybe you've never joined us before, either online or in person, so we're glad that you're here. Normally we do something for anyone that's new to our church and wants to learn more called Dinner with the Pastor. And we can't really have dinner together right now, so we wanna offer Hangout Online with the Pastor instead. If you'd like to be a part of that and you're new here, go to efree.org slash connect. Just give us a little bit of information. That way we can get to know you better. We can connect with you. And there's a checkbox there you can check if you want to be part of that hangout online with a pastor. It's just a chance to get to know our church for the first time, ask, ask some questions, and get some answers about who we are as First Free Church. I'd love to have you do that. Well, I want to share some context for what we're going to do during what would normally be the message time this morning, just to share kind of why we're doing this and explain what it's all about. As pastors, our responsibility is to shepherd a part of God's church. So we call this the church, but we are a part of God's global church. And the the word pastor means to shepherd. Shepherding means to encourage, to connect, to care for the the sheep, the flock, which, which is a way to refer to the people of the church, the people of God. And so God has instituted pastors to help shepherd and care for people. But we do that in some different ways. And I want to talk about two of those today. One of the primary ways that we shepherd people, especially in a church of our size, is not necessarily through directly caring for people individually, everyone that goes to our church. So in a smaller church, you might have 100, 150 people, and one pastor can effectively, personally, directly shepherd and care for each of those people. But once you get into a larger church, then that becomes much more difficult. And even though you hire more pastors, it's not in the same ratios to be able to care for everyone on that personal level. Instead, you do exactly what the early church did which is to have layers of shepherds, people that are caring for other people in the church, helping to guide them spiritually, um, helping them and serving them in different ways and making sure that they're cared for individually. And, And the way we do that is through our group's ministry primarily. So it's important to understand that we want everyone in our church to be connected with a group. And now more than ever, if you aren't part of a group, now would be a great time to join one. And I share that partly because a lot of the things we're going to be talking about today during this time that we're about to go into are going to be things that you're going to need to go deeper in and you may need personal help with. The first place to look for that is in one of our groups. It's, it's by contacting your group leader and letting them know, hey, I'm struggling with something. Can you help walk through this with me? That, that's not something that the Bible actually says the pastors are supposed to do for every person, but in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, The Bible says that God has given the church these people, pastors, teachers, and other church leaders, to equip the believers to do the work of the ministry. And so that's one of the ways that we shepherd in this church is not by personally caring for each and every individual person. We couldn't do that. We do that for many people, but we can't do that for everyone that attends here, but by making sure every person can be cared for and can be shepherded. That is our responsibility that God has given to us. It's the same thing that the early church leaders faced. The apostles, when the church in Jerusalem was growing rapidly and ended up becoming larger than our church, they found that they could not effectively care for everyone, especially the widows that they were trying to care for. And so they instituted other layers of leadership, people that they could delegate responsibility to and equip and empower to minister and care for people. And we do the exact same thing here. So if you need help with something today, 
Maybe it's emotional, spiritual, physical, financial, whatever it is. The, the first place we would encourage you to go is your group leader and say, hey, I want to just share with you this. Can you help walk through this with me? But there are also some things that maybe your group is not equipped to help you with. Or maybe you're not in a group and you can't get in one right away. Whatever that is, we do have ways to care for you in the middle of that. And that is by going to our website. There's a link that says, I need help. And whatever you are struggling with, and if it's something we're going to talk about today, I want you to know right up front, just in case you happen to lose internet at some point through this, that if you go to that website and click, I need help, we have a team of people that are there to make sure no one slips through the cracks, unless they are absolutely determined to. And so we have that available for you. If you want to be a part of that team and help people, you can click the I can help link and let us know what you are able to help with. That's one way that we as pastors try to shepherd our church family. Another way is through the weekly gatherings, and oftentimes that's through a sermon. But with something like the coronavirus pandemic and the stay-at-home restrictions that we are under right now, people are asking a lot of questions. And they're looking for guidance from their leaders and from their spiritual leaders on how are we supposed to handle this unique, unprecedented time? What are we supposed to do with this? What do I do with my kids and my marriage and my work and my relationships and my neighbors and my personal struggles that are even worse now than they were before in some cases? Very different questions, a huge diversity of questions. And sometimes the best way to shepherd people in those times is not through a sermon, but just by answering those questions directly. That's our goal today. We're going to have a panel discussion where we are going to answer your questions. Some of them were written in emails or sent through different messages on social media or sent in through videos, and we're going to look at some of those today. We got so many questions that we are not going to be able to answer them all today, but they're really good questions. And so what we did as we broke them up into categories, and we're going to cover some of those categories today, and some of those categories we're going to cover in a second panel discussion next week. So if you do not see or hear your question today, stick around next week. Join us again to make sure you get kind of part two of the panel discussion where we will dive into some of the things we do not get to today. I want to make sure we have healthy expectations for what we're going to talk about in this panel discussion because we won't be able to go in depth on any particular topic to a great extent and there's a really good reason for that. Some of you are probably going to watch this and we're going to get to the topic that's of interest to you and then we're going to move on to something else and you're going to go, hold on, I wanted more. I have questions. I need specifics. I need details. And the reality is we all have to understand we're not going to be able to dive into that level of depth today. We're going to have to cover things at a 30,000 foot level, partly because there's so much to cover and partly because if we were to go into that level of depth on any particular topic, it would be of great interest to some people and it would cause many people to lose interest altogether. And that's not what we want to do. So that's why we want to make sure you know right up front that we have options for you if you need to go deeper. For whatever that is, we want you to go to our website, click the I need help link. If there is something that you hear about today that you want to dive into in a deeper level, we have a care ministry, we have counselors, we can refer you to people, we have lots of people willing to help and make phone calls and, and walk you through these things and mentors. All of that is available if you need it. Just click that link for I need help. So we're going to be brief today, and, and we're even going to probably do some follow-up discussions to this to go into a little more detail in other videos. 
So if you want to make sure you get those, sign up for senior pastor updates at efree.org updates and any future videos we do on a topic where we can do a deeper dive because we know it's just on demand and you can watch it if you want to watch it or if it doesn't apply to you, you don't have to watch it. You'll get those if you sign up for those updates. So those are all the disclaimers. As we get into this panel discussion today, I want to let you know that I am keeping my eye on the chat right now. And so, hey, Barrett and Steve, Chad, Austin, all of you people that are on the chat, we've got over 100 people on our chat right now. We're really glad you're here joining us. If you are at efree.org live, you can join the chat as well. And I'm going to keep an eye on that. And if there's anything that pertains to our discussion, I'm going to bring it out and add it to our, to our discussion right here. So feel free to add any extra questions, follow-up questions that you have as we go or thoughts or insights, and we love getting that kind of interaction from you. Thank you for joining us today. Let me introduce our panel guest today. The first one is well known to all of you. He's John Richardson. John is the executive pastor of discipleship here at First Free Church, and he, ha- he is a certified pastoral counselor. He oversees our groups ministry, groups ministries, excuse me, outreach and missions, care and counseling, and we're really excited to get to hear from you today, John. And on my other side is a very special guest, Linda Wimpheimer. Linda is a licensed professional counselor. She also serves on the Missouri Committee for Professional Counselors, and she teaches counseling at Covenant Seminary. So, Linda, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Glad you could both be here. What we're going to do is divide the questions into categories, and I'm going to somewhat summarize, somewhat share some of the things that have come in from different people from a lot of different sources, and then give you a chance to speak to that and respond and hopefully give some helpful insights for people who are wrestling with some of these things. The first category has to do with grief and loss. Grief and loss. Here are some of the things that we've heard. I'm single. My kids are grown and live in another state. My work is really stressful right now, and so I feel drained all the time. On my days off, I have nothing to do but walk, and when the weather is nice, or maybe I watch TV, I find myself sucked into shows, binge-watching for hours at a time, staying up late. I feel so much guilt, but I don't know what else to do. Here's another one. Someone I know recently passed away. We weren't able to have a normal funeral, and I'm so sad. How do I process grief without all the things that normally help us in these times? Another one, in the last month, I moved, my girlfriend broke up with me, and this week I was given two weeks' notice at my job. I feel like everything has imploded, and I'm I'm having trouble getting out of bed in the morning, much less figuring out what to do next. Why do I have so many bad things happen to me? Well, everything seems to be going great for so many other people. These are some serious issues, some really difficult things to wrestle with, John. Talking about grief and loss and um, challenging times, what kind of advice would you have for people who are struggling with what we're talking about right here? This is a really, really important topic. When we talk about grief, we need to both address it from kind of the deeper understanding of what grief is and also just practical steps of what to do now. And when someone's experiencing loss, which I think probably should be more prominent in all of our lives, or we should be more aware of it. It is prominent. We should be more aware of it because grief is really just facing losses, and we're dealing with losses all the time, and this pandemic is bringing losses of anything from not being able to be together with our families, job losses, people who are dying and we can't be with them, and it's incredible to, to see that the, the real depth of pain there. Second Corinthians chapter 1, when Paul's talking to the Corinthian church about 
how to look at these afflictions and problems that come their way. He begins it by saying, um, blessed be the God of all mercies and the God of all comfort. And I think that's a good place to anchor ourselves as we're trying to wrestle through this, is that we have a God of all comfort who wants to help us as we go through these problems. That's really good. Linda, how would you help people who are struggling with these kinds of losses? Well, I guess I just want to normalize for people, like we go through a range of feelings and we're all going through them right now. Everybody's lost something, whether that's ability to go outside more or a job or a move and we don't get to say goodbye to people because we're moving and we're not going to get to have the going away party. There's high school graduations, college graduations, all kinds of loss. And sometimes people are really angry about that. And sometimes they're sad and sometimes they're in denial and just trying to push through it. There's a wide range of emotions. And I guess I just want to say, it's okay to feel all of that. Jesus felt all that before us. We're not the first person to feel that. And to know that kind of we're all in this together. That's good. That's good. I think uh, when it comes to loss, especially, it can be challenging um, to, to just wrestle with the fact that other people are dealing with this too. And you mentioned normalizing it, just understanding that all of us are, are losing different yeah. things. But it is different. And so sometimes we can feel like we're isolated and alone in this. And those people need to remember, no, you're not. <laughs> there are many people struggling with the same types of losses you are. They really are. Um, but then also we can see other people wrestling with different types of losses and and not understand um, and empathize with them as well. So I think that's really, really good advice. We don't, we don't suffer well, and we don't have a good mm. theology of suffering, I think, in the church. And I think we could, we could grow in that to be able to embrace that. And maybe a practical step is in that suffering to, to accept it, to understand the brokenness and the loss. But what are, what are ways I can make choices instead of just responding? Because when we're experiencing great loss, it feels like everything's coming at us and we're just responding to things, responding to things, and it gets really tiring. And so even just thinking, what are some choices I can make in the middle of this? How can I make a small choice in the middle of this pain that can help give us a little bit more empowerment? That's really good. There are always aspects that we have control over, right? And and aspects of our response. And so taking account of those things and not always being reactionary to everything that's happening around us. That's very helpful. I wanna talk about another category which is stress, anxiety, and fear. And many of us are experiencing a lot of stress, anxiety, and fear for different reasons. Let me share some of the reasons people have shared with us. There are so many unknowns, we're not supposed to worry, right? But what does that practically look like? I can't just stop. I'm having trouble sleeping at night. Another one, my husband has to work two jobs right now to pay the bills. I'm feeling like a single mom. I'm trapped in my house without my normal support network. I'm so thankful that he works so hard, but when he comes home, he's either still working or so fried that he's not present. My tension is at an all-time high, and I don't know what to do. I don't know when this will end or if it will ever get better. And a related question to this in the category of stress, anxiety, and fear. This comes from a video question um, that the person did not want the video shown but wanted the question shared, which is they are struck by how many believers um, who are, are strong believers have been overwhelmed with anxiety and worry, uh, struggling with a lack of faith and understanding what, what is a normal test of faith versus what is a crisis of faith 
And we had a chance to dialogue about this earlier in the week, and, and we all agreed we would start with me giving a little answer to this um, that we talked about. So let me just go ahead and share kind of my response to this, and then I'll turn it over to the two of you. I hear this a lot from Christians wondering about the faith aspect of this, and I've done a, a good amount of counseling in the past as well. And so when I've counseled people who have wrestled with a crisis of faith, I've tried to remind them of a few things that are right there in Scripture, but we often don't think about when it comes to our faith. Christians in particular, if you're a follower of Jesus and you feel like you're struggling with your faith, that can be a really scary thing, right? That can be something that that, uh, causes you to really wonder and question. And I've talked with many people who have gone through that. I want to remind everyone that faith is one of the spiritual gifts that some people can have. Some people can have a spiritual gift of faith. And what that means is, we, we can interpolate from that, that some people have not been given that spiritual gift of faith. That doesn't mean they don't have any faith. It just means that some people are given this sort of supernatural propensity by God to be faithful and trusting in Him in situations that other people do not find as easy to trust in God. And that's okay. That's actually by design. So for those people who feel like it's easy for them to trust and they look at other Christians and think, come on, I mean, he's seen you through everything else. Why are you having a difficult time having faith in God now or trusting him to see you through this? I think it's important to remember that if if it's strong for you, it may just be that you have the spiritual gift of faith. Now, why does God give us spiritual gifts? It's for the building up and edification of the rest of the church. And so that person who may be struggling in their faith right now they probably have other spiritual gifts. If they're a follower of Jesus, they do. And those spiritual gifts, are, they're stronger in than you are in certain areas. And so the reason why you may be stronger in your faith is so that you can help those who aren't as strong right now in theirs. And the reality is we can tell from God's word that some people are not going to have that extra supernatural gift of faith to see them through these things. Why? Because God wants us to rely on each other. So we don't need to judge other people Uh, certainly we don't need to look down on them if they're struggling their faith, and I don't think that's at all the motivation behind this question. Uh, But what we really need to recognize is that God has designed some of us, has given us gifting to help people in their faith because he's given us extra faith, and he may not have done that for them. And that's just right there in God's word. Um, So I think that's important for us to recognize and seek to help each other in the body of Christ and normalize, as you said earlier, Linda, the fact that some of us are gonna wrestle with faith. Now, in the past, when I've counseled people who have struggled in this area, one of the things I've told them is, as they told me how much they're struggling with their faith and and worried about that, concerned about that, my answer is, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you want more faith, that you're concerned about your faith struggle and wrestling with that. What would have me concerned is if you weren't worried about it at all. If you had no concern about it whatsoever, that would be a concern. But the fact that you are concerned about your faith and struggling with it, that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, that might be right where God wants you right now if you lean into that and surround yourself with people who maybe do have a gift of faith more for various reasons, then that can really help all of you to grow in Christ together and be built up. So that's my answer to that question um, that you guys said you wanted me to cover first. So let me turn it over to you. I'll start with you, Linda. Stress, anxiety, fear, um, this, you know, the, the moms out there that are struggling with feeling like they're a single mom when, and their support is gone because their husband is working so much, how would you help these people? Well, I guess I would normalize that too, that again, we're all experiencing it. It is hard on the body to go through something like what we're going through. And our body registers that kind of hard 
thing is stress. And so we all have some level of stress right now, maybe that we're not even used to. So we're all feeling it. It could be a spiritual attack. Um, it could also be that you're just predisposed and you're wired in such a way that you're more susceptible to this. And it's interesting because even having anxiety can trigger more anxiety because it's like, wait a minute, I've never felt this before. What is this? Why am I feeling this way? What is this anxiety thing? I've never had to deal with that. So that could be stressful. So there's a lot of um, different levels of this. And I guess the place where we really need to ask folks is, is it interfering with your life? Are you unable to complete your normal duties? Can you not care for your kids? Can you not go to work? Are you unable to care for others if that's your job? Are you unable to care for yourself? If it's getting at that level, it's probably time to seek some extra help. Probably not just to try and sit with it, but to reach out, like you were saying earlier, to some of the resources we have. That's good. John, anything you would add? Yeah, fear and anxiety, are, it's always about what's on the other side of that door that's closed. And I don't know, I may or may not be accurate about it, but, but it's producing fear in me now. So one of the remedies is to figure out what is true right now here, being in this moment, living in this moment. That can be both practical, what's in the room, who am I with, what's in, what chair am I sitting in? But it can also be deeply spiritual. Paul in Philippians chapter 4 said, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And sometimes we forget the, the three words right before that, which are really, really important. It says, the Lord is near, four words, the Lord is near here. That's really important for us to know God is near here with us, um, both in presence and in his coming is close. And that gives us the empowerment then to be able to follow through with not living in fear. That's good. Someone in the chat is mentioning a book by C.S. Lewis, The Problem of Pain, which I think is a really good book for some people right now who are wrestling with some of these struggles. And uh, that, that is a good resource for people um, that, that I wanted to mention. So I want to move on to the topic of relationships. And for this, we have a video question. So we're going to turn it over to Shannon. Hi. Do you have any tips on how to remain undivided when you're addressing fake news and other articles that you feel like you might have expertise in, um, but friends and family are, are posting things that could lead to dangerous misinformation? It's easy to feel either angry or defensive or arrogant that you might be able to make a difference. Is there any tips on how to wisely deal with that? Who wants to take this one? I don't remember who did last time. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question and it ties into even our Undivided series that we talked about and just some of the ways we look at things differently as people, even as Christians. There, there are actually psychological studies that show that if someone has a deeply held belief, presenting them with facts that prove the opposite, rarely help. They rarely change people's minds because usually we're entrenched in our views and we're going to reconfigure those facts. We're going to deny them. We're going to somehow minimize them so that we can continue to believe. All that to say, if, if we are in a relationship with someone or communicating with someone and there is a belief system or position that is wrong and we want to help them or we're, we're, we're seeing it, it's not helpful for them, probably confronting that head on is not going to be the answer. It's going to be compassion. It's going to be relationship. It's going to be listening. It's going to be being a friend and, and also trusting God because as Shannon pointed out, there, there's some danger sometimes. Sometimes people's positions might 
lead to harm, and that's real. And as much as we would want to keep them from that, sometimes we can't stop it. So I've had this conversation at many different levels the last couple weeks with a lot of people about what they're watching and what they're paying attention to. And um, I think it could be a real opportunity. It's like a door's opened is the way I look at it. And I say to people, so what is that like for you? You know, how's that affecting you? Which usually results in them giving me some kind of like, yeah, it's really hard. I, I'm really stressed out because I watch so much news or whatever. And then it's an opportunity to say, well, what would help you more? What would be a good thing for you to do right now? So instead of confronting them, like you said, just to open up some compassionate dialogue with them about what's it doing in their lives and is it serving a positive purpose for them or is it hurting them? So what I'm hearing from the two of you is facts are not necessarily going to change their mind. So maybe the goal isn't to win an argument in some cases, although on the other hand, as you say, sometimes there is a real danger involved where you're trying to convince the person, no, you shouldn't go do this just casually just because you want to, and you certainly do want to stress that with them. But you're kind of reframing the situation to how can I care for them in the middle of this? And so if it is just kind of an intellectual thing where we're bantering back and forth about what we believe about something, maybe reframe it from I'm trying to convince you of my view to I'm trying to care for you in the middle of this. And I think most often that the way we actually change people's minds is not by giving them a better argument, but it's by loving them and caring for them and having a relationship with them to the point where they trust our argument even though they may not have before. They have to know that they can trust us. I think that's helpful advice. We've got another video question from Bill. Because I don't feel we personally are suffering during this pandemic so much as we are inconvenienced. How do we relate in a loving and encouraging way to those who are suffering on a deeper level without sounding or being received as not fully appreciating their situation. Okay, so how do we handle the fact that we're not suffering in some cases as much as other people, and maybe some people watching are suffering quite a bit, but we look at our suffering compared to others, and relatively it seems small. Is it okay for me to feel bad about not getting to do some of the things that I enjoy doing when there are other people that are a lot worse off than I am? Sure. I think it's an and situation, not an or. Like, I care for you and feel bad for what you're going through. You're struggling in a way that I don't even understand, maybe people that are in a different um, socioeconomic bracket than you, people that are in a different work situation than you, they may be suffering more than I am. But that doesn't negate what I'm feeling is what I'm feeling, and that's real. And so it's and, it's not or. Mine's not better. We don't want to get into comparison. Comparison is the thief of joy, right? So we don't want to get into comparing whose is worse and that we just want to care and also give ourselves the chance to care for ourselves. That's good. Any thoughts, John? Just that... People, people experience um, emotion at different levels. And so there could be two people that have the same experience and one feels it very deeply and the other doesn't feel it so deeply. So I, I agree with Linda, not to get into the binary of it's either I'm suffering or I'm, I'm okay and it's just a measure of feeling. But some people just feel deeply about a lot of things and it can be really alarming to someone who doesn't necessarily feel that deeply about stuff. Right. I'm also reminded of Jesus and how he felt deeply about some situations and demonstrated to us how he could be 
deeply saddened at times. One of the most amazing examples is with Lazarus. When Jesus shows up and Lazarus, his good friend, is dead, and he weeps over this, and he weeps with the other people, and he shows this incredible display of emotion and sadness about a situation that he was about to reverse, knowing that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He's there crying with the people about about Lazarus dying, and that's just amazing to me that if there were ever a time where someone did not need to show emotion, did not need to be sad, did not need to cry, this was the time. And yet he went ahead and allowed himself to experience that and go through that and display that to other people. And I think that what that does for us, and maybe this is part of why he did it, was to give us an example of, hey, it's okay. It's okay to be sad about these things, even these things that aren't in the grand scheme of things that big of a deal. Because if anything wasn't a big deal, it was Lazarus dying that day. It wasn't a big deal because it was about to turn around completely and Jesus would raise him from the dead and there would be this huge celebration. Everyone was about to get really, really happy. And yet Jesus allowed himself to be sad. That is such a a fascinating thing to me. And I think it legitimizes the sadness that we experience about all sorts of things. If the measure of whether or not it's okay to be sad is if there's someone else who's worse off than I am, then there will never, ever be a reason to be sad. Because there will always be people who are worse off than we are. But I think what Bill is getting at in this question here is also how, how can we best empathize with other people who do have it worse off than us. Maybe we have some interaction with people and maybe we're talking with them online or on the phone or something and they're really struggling with things and, and we're sitting at, at our home maybe and thinking, man, I'm just so thankful. I've got, I've got food. Uh, I've got my family around me. I've got toilet paper, right? I've checked the three boxes and yet there's someone that we're connected with that is struggling with something in a big way. Any advice on how we can best support and empathize with them? I think just validating that their struggle is real to them, trying to get in their shoes and understand what they're going through for that moment that you're with them, and trying to really reflect back to them, this is what I hear you saying, that must be really tough. And in doing that, what I find helpful for myself is that I try to identify with a time where I felt like that, even if that's not how I feel right now. I can recall a time where I've suffered. I can recall a time where I've been in a period of loss. So I just try to relate my own life to what they're going through, even though it's not exactly that same thing we're grieving. Someone in the chat room said, reach out to your family and friends that may be more challenged. And I think that's really good advice. John, you and Robin have arranged for hundreds of phone calls to be made. And so there are people in, the, in our church who are calling other people and some have you know, given us feedback on that, just how meaningful and important that was to them. And so just giving them someone to talk to, right? validating them and and saying, hey, I'll check in with you once a week and we can talk on the phone and that's probably one of the best things we can do for people right now. And we've got a lot of people who are already doing that in our church. The the body of Christ is, is working there. Let's talk about parenting a little bit. I'm a mom with a few kids under eight. I feel overwhelmed with the needs each day. School meetings online, e-schooling for the big kids, the needs of the younger ones. What can I do to help me enjoy the day instead of dread it? You know, we were led to believe this would be a time of great margin, and it has been anything but. I feel my patience wearing thin, and I genuinely want to enjoy this time with my kids. That's on the younger kid side of things. On the older side of things as well, adult children have moved back into the house. 
right? And so college students are home, and, and it's, it's a tough situation for many families to wrestle with that. What kind of advice would you have for the parents right now who are struggling with having either their young kids around all the time who would normally be in school, or their adult kids at home who would also normally, in some cases, be at school? I think the, the lesson of parenting that I know I was rudely awakened to early in my parenting that is just a stable question is, whatever's going on in my parenting situation, it probably my first step is to hold a mirror up and see how my heart is doing. How am I, what am I thinking? How am I talking? How am I interacting with people? Because that's really the place to start is to look at our own hearts and say, what are my expectations? I talked to a, a mom this week who she and her husband were both working from home, three college students who moved back home and are studying at home, and an adult son who is married, he and his wife moved into their home because he lost his job, and they're all in the home together, and this mom has been a wonderful housekeeper and has, ever, had, had, has had everything in, her, in its place in her home and has taken great pride in that. And she told me, she said, I decided I'm not going to worry about where the furniture is anymore because it's getting moved all over the place. And, and there was a day when it really would have bothered her, but she just said, I'm going to adjust my expectations for this time. And that will actually make life easier for me, make life easier for them. So wherever we can do that is really, really important. That reminds me of the interview that I did recently with a family in Wuhan, China, and that's out there on our Facebook page and everything if everybody wants to see it. But one of the first pieces of advice was just redesign your home and your life around being functional and practical right now. Don't worry too much about how it looks. Make it functional and practical for you. What about the adult kids that are living at home? Linda, what advice would you have for parents on that? Well, this is pretty convicting. (laughs) I have an adult kid that's moved back home, and I think a lot of it is examining my own heart, trying to really get in touch with what I can do to make that easier for her, trying to have compassion for her because she's in a really tough situation right now. Um, The other thing this brings up is back to when we were talking about what do you have control over and what don't you have control over, whether it's the young kids or the old kids or managing your household, just trying to figure out what you can actually do something about and doing that and then figuring out what you can't do anything about and trying really hard to let that go. That's really good. Let's talk about marriage a little bit. And and this is a tricky one. I'm just gonna give you one example. Uh, But there are many marriages out there that are struggling right now. And of course, both of you know this better than anyone because you, you deal with a lot of people who are struggling in their marriages. And so you know all of this. But here's an example. My husband is laid off, which means he's around the house all the time. He's in a slump. I feel like all the responsibility of the kids is on me. I get that there's a lot on him right now trying to find another job in this economy, but I feel a growing resentment and anger that he isn't helping. This is a really difficult thing, any kind of marriage issue, because there's so much context needed. It's highly situational. You, you, you want to be able to ask all these questions to find out what about this, what about this, what about this. What kind of advice, Linda, can you offer to someone like this whose marriage is struggling right now? Well, this is kind of the meta answer, like you said. I mean, this time period is going to draw some care, some couples very close. They're going to have time together. They're going to really nurture their marriage. There's other people that were struggling before this happened, and it's going to take it maybe a different direction. It's going to be really hard. And we have to be careful in our answers, as you said, that we don't give what sounds like just a pat answer for everybody um, because it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. So I think, you know, you can look at your part of the relationship and see what you can do. But it's a really tough time, and this is another time where you need to know when to reach out for help. 
What do you mean by reach out for help? What can help people So do? you brought up earlier some resources we have within the church, and also we can connect people with even more professional resources if they need that. And there's a lot of counseling going on in video right now. So if that's the level that someone needs, we can get them to that level. Yeah. Anything, John, that you would add? Just to, to echo that, the, the danger of saying, talk about it. So not all marriages have a communication strength that they can do that and engage in that. And, but what we do have is we can look at our own hearts. We can be the man, the woman that God's called us to be in a marriage. We can, uh, we can talk to people about our role in this and how we can grow in compassion and care. And that's really the start. And, and think about it. If two people in a struggling marriage can't communicate to each other, but both would take the responsibility to say, wow, but I need to figure out how to be the person God's called me to be in this. The Holy Spirit's going to be at work in that. And that's something that will move people forward. And then we do have resources to help. That's really good. I think it's important for everyone to understand that marriage situations can be so complex and the setting is so important that to give any kind of specific answer to a marriage-related problem runs a huge risk of being the wrong advice for someone. And, and so it could be great advice for many people, but the wrong advice for someone. And that's why personalized, customized help on your marriage can be so valuable. You might be able to just get that from some trusted friends, from a group leader. You know, if you approach them and say, hey, we're struggling with this. I want to keep it confidential, but can you help me through this? And just having that person to talk through with it on it might be uh, a big helpful step for you. Someone in our chat room mentioned the power of prayer in a marriage relationship. And, and that's something that we can always use. If we don't know where to turn, we don't know what to do. Well, the first thing we should be doing, we can do, we have a privilege of doing, is to commit this to God in prayer and say, Lord, would you change their heart? Would you help them to see this? One of the things people have heard me say around here a lot is don't try to be anyone else's Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we cause so many problems when we, when we nag, when we try to bring things up, when we get passive aggressive with people and, and we try to be the Holy Spirit for them and convict them about things when maybe the better course of action is to pray for them first and say, God, would you prompt them? Would you bring this about? And we've seen some amazing things, I'm sure all of us have, happen in marriages when someone has decided to do that and lets God kind of take over that side of the relationship. And we, we heard about the Right Now Media as well earlier in the announcements today. And, and it, again, if a husband and wife could do this alone, and I know time can be an issue too, and being able to have that time, but there are a lot of really good resources out there that would not be threatening like sitting in a counseling office, but just to be able to give good principles to work through. Yeah. That's really good. efree.org slash right now media, right? Yep. If you want to get in on that, it's something we pay for as a church that everyone here has access to. You're watching this online right now. You're part of our church family right now. You can go there and get a free account that's covered by the church so that you can get access to all sorts of Bible study materials as well as marriage and parenting helps and thousands of Christian videos for kids. I mean, it's an incredible resource. And we did not plan on promoting that at all. So that's just a free bonus PSA for everyone out there. Let's talk about the last one, which is boredom, loneliness, and productivity. We kind of lumped these together, boredom, loneliness, and productivity. I'm bored. Each day is the same. I feel like I'm supposed to be enjoying this time, but frankly, I'm not. Any advice? And then we got this awesome question from Carrie. Hey guys, my question's on productivity. Um, so I've been seeing on my social media feeds that some people are taking advantage of this time to do big house projects. Uh, to do deep cleaning and those such things. But I'm still working full-time, my husband is still working full-time, 
And that combined with just the low level anxiety and stress of living through a pandemic, you know, it just makes me really tired. And by the weekend, I'm just, I'm beat and nothing sounds better than just sitting around and reading a book or taking a nap. Um, but then I feel bad that I'm not being more productive with my time. And so my question to you is, how productive do I need to be during this pandemic? Thanks. That's a great question, and I'll add to that one more. I think I am losing my mind staying in this house all the time. How much longer? How, uh, what can I do? John, how would you answer people that are feeling like, hey, everybody else is posting all these pictures online about the, the chair that they paint, repainted in chalk paint and the room that they renovated, and they've got a garden now going outside, and they just you know, played ball with their kids, and they're doing all these amazing things. But where's my free time? I'm busier than ever. So what advice would you give to people in this situation? Yeah, this is uncovering a, a really interesting dynamic that's happening uh, because Carrie's probably not alone. Uh, there are probably a lot of people. She's in good company, working, busy, don't have time to do social media. But number one, it doesn't make a really sexy social media post to say, really dead tired, I'm going to read a book now. So that you don't get that posted. And another danger of social media that it really, it enhances our comparison tendency anyway. But comparison, a friend of mine used to say, uh, always leads to pity or pride. Uh, if I see something someone else is doing or they say they're doing, I'm either going to be less than or I'm going to be more than. Instead of saying, this is my life, this is where I'm at. Um, I don't know that really the enjoyment part, like one of the questions, I know I should be enjoying this. Who said? It's really a discouraging time, even as Christians. Um, with the hope of the gospel and God's kingdom and living with him eternally, a real accurate view of this is mildly sad because there's a lot of hurt going on around there. So I think we can, we can kind of have a reality check and understand better what's going on. Yeah. Is it okay for us to not be um, doing all those extra things? Is it okay for Carrie to not be productive in all the ways that her friends online are? Absolutely. You know, the frontline workers, the people like your jobs here that are amped up because of this, it, it's all comparison. And so it's okay to be wherever you are. There are on the other side of that people who are very bored and are having a hard time knowing what to do with all this time. Um, one of the things that we've been asked is like practical things. So, you know, I just to throw a few of those in. I think it's good to try and laugh every couple days. You need to find something funny to watch or read or call a funny friend. Definitely get outside. The weather's turning. It's good to get outside. Even if you just go hang out in your backyard and notice the birds and what's coming up in the ground and get really mindful about where you're standing. That's really important. Move. Whether you dance in your living room with your kids or you go for a run or you take a walk around the block, whatever you want to do, it's really important for mental health right now, for stability, to keep moving. Another thing that really helps mental health is to give back. So if you have a hobby or a talent or gave the example when we were talking before, like if you're strong, maybe you can go lift the bags of fertilizer for your neighbor and put them in the garage. Um, if you like to sew, maybe you could be making masks. I mean, if you have the time and you have a hobby or a talent or a gift, this is a good time to get outside of yourself a little bit and use it. And John, you were talking earlier about some mental health and you had a really good analogy. I was hoping that you'd share about the sun. 
Yeah, because it does have to be individual. I have to know myself, not compare myself to you, but how am I dealing with this? And we all have to care for our own mental health. And uh, another pastor counselor who I appreciate said that mental health and mental wellness, mental illness, is not as much like a disease model. Like if you have Crohn's disease, you know you have it. If you don't have it, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, mental health, mental illness, it's more like um, sensitivity to the sun. We all have a propensity to get sunburned. Some people are so sensitive, and if they get a sunburn, it might be damaging enough. They need to get medical treatment for it. But it's, it's something we're all open to, and we all are vulnerable to, and we all need to be taking good care of our mental health right now. That's great advice. I want to thank you so much for being here today. This is really, really helpful. I think that we have been divided into two parts or two types of people through all of this, the people that have more time now than they know what to do with and are struggling with that, and the people whose jobs have become way busier now than they were before and they're struggling with what to do with that. I'm definitely in the second category where my job has become far more demanding and I have way more meetings now than I ever did before and trying to help us you know, pivot into this sort of new reality here. And of course, we have all these essential workers out there, the delivery truck drivers and the people working in retail stores, grocery stores, people who are um, obviously on the front lines in our healthcare system, and all of those people are like, what free time? (laughs) We're busier than we've ever been before. So I think just to acknowledge that and recognize that. It's okay if you don't get a lot done in this time. This isn't your season for that. This may be your season to double down and do what you're really good at to help other people, and that's what a lot of people are doing, and that's perfectly okay. I want to thank you both for joining me today. This has been a great discussion. Also, I want to let you know, if you want to share this with other people, people have asked about that, you can do that. Tomorrow, this will go up at efree.org slash messages, and so that'll probably be the best place where you can share this. Of course, you can share it on Facebook as well. We live stream there. Next week, we're going to do part two of a panel discussion, and we're going to get to some other questions, some other categories. We're going to look specifically at more of the theological side of things. We didn't feel we could do it justice if we tacked those on today. So we wanted to talk about some of these issues right now that are really practical, important things people need to kind of get at right away from a biblical perspective. Next week, we're going to look at some of the questions about God. Where is God at in all of this, people are wondering. Uh, Did he cause this? If he could have stopped it, why didn't he? And what is he doing with it right now? What connection is there to this and some kind of end times prophecy? Or there, there are lots of different theories out there. We're gonna talk about all of that next week. Be sure you join us for that. And I just want to remind you before I close in prayer and we're gonna have a final song that if you need help with anything we've talked about today, the link on our website right on the homepage says, I need help. And so if you need to go deeper than we were able to go today, we want to offer that to you. We have follow-up resources and help for you and people that can talk with you. So please take advantage of that if you need it. We are here to care for you in this time. Let me just pray for you, and then we're going to sing one final song together as we worship God. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and for what it teaches us. And even though we didn't have a normal sermon today, what we got was a whole lot of your word applied to our lives. And we've heard all the passages of scripture and the principles, and we didn't necessarily have to quote chapter and verse to know that all of these things are principles that we have learned from your word that you have taught us. And now we're trying to apply them in our lives. And so thank you for that, God. And I pray for everyone who's watching this right now that you would watch over them and comfort them and guide them through this time in the way that only you can do, that, that you would take the words that we've communicated today and help them through that, that you would help them to be a blessing to each other, to other people, as we all wrestle through this together. 
And God, that you would comfort hearts and minds right now. Uh, Minds that are stressed and anxious and worried or help them to have a fresh understanding that you are in control and that you are not surprised and that you own the beginning and the end and that you already have the victory and that you already see what life will look like a year from now when we're beyond this. And so help us all to take comfort in that and to have faith and trust in you and help us to be that support to each other when we lack and we struggle and we have concerns. God, we thank you for your work in our lives. We pray that you would help us to be your hands and feet in creative ways this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.